don't you pray for us? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today and for the beautiful weather outside, God, and just thank you that your mercies are new every morning, and we do thank you for the release of Pastor Munson and how you orchestrated all of that, and for the victory there, and how he is able to be with his family today, God, just worshiping you. Father, and I just pray as we come collectively as a family, as your body, Father, that we would be able to focus and fix our eyes upon you and on you alone, God. And as we just come into this time, Father, I just pray that it would be received by you and that we would recognize that not everybody has the freedoms that we have, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell somebody, I fly.
beautiful name, Jesus. Your name is healing. Your name is healing.
Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you call us to fix our eyes upon you. Not to look to the left or to the right or even behind, but to focus and fix our eyes upon Jesus. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, you have begun this work in us and you are faithful to complete it. Thank you, Father, that your word declares that no weapon forged against us shall prosper. Thank you, Father, your word declares that we are above and not beneath, that we are the head and not the tail. I thank you, Father, that you are our strong tower. You are our defender, our deliverer, our provider, our healer, our comforter, our savior, our strength. There's no one like you, Lord. And I pray, O oh God, that as we hear your word today, God, that we would turn our affections unto you, Lord. And that, Father, we would not be distracted, Lord, but that we would be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. Father, that we would allow you to work within us, Father. If we truly belong to you and we are children of God, Father, we have you inside of us, Father, and it's not I or we who are to be living, but it's Christ living in and through us. And so, Father, may we daily die to ourselves and pick up our cross and to follow you. And we get over the, the sin that so easily entangles us. May we throw it off. God, may we seek and hunger and thirst for righteousness. That our lives, O oh God, would bring glory and honor to your name and your name alone. And we thank you for this, Father. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Michelle, are you still with us? Yes. All right, good morning. morning. Michelle is joining us via Skype this morning. Psalm 34, verse 14. He turned from evil and to do good. Seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. We've got a few more months in this year, and this will continue to be our scripture. And I'm praying that we would continually seek truth in the scripture. Really, what does it mean to turn from evil and to do good, to seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it? As Christians, that is what we're called to, because we are no longer of the flesh, but we're now of the spirit. And in Galatians, you can read the list of the works of the flesh. It, they're not hidden from us. We know when we're in our flesh. By the way we think, by the way we act, by our very words. And our flesh is not to define us any longer. It is Christ and Christ alone. It is Jesus. And in that same chapter in Galatians, you can look and you can see what the Spirit produces in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. The ways of Christ are so contrary to the ways of this world. And there's a very enemy, Satan, 
who would love nothing more than to see us hindered, to see us enslaved to sin, so that we would spend an eternity in torment and destruction with him. But Jesus comes, reveals Christ reveals the love of the Father to us, the love of God, and there's nothing that can compare to it. I want us to go today to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. And hopefully next week we'll pick back up walking through the Bible. But my heart is still very heavy. This is Jeremiah. He's a prophet of the Lord. He's speaking to his generation. Whenever God raises up men and women to speak to their generation, they're not liked. They've always been persecuted. They've been stoned. They've been put to death. They've been talked about. Because people don't want to hear the truth. People would rather hear things that will tickle their ears and make them feel better. Give us a motivational speech. It seems that motivational speeches are the trend in what's popular. But to hear truth, people reject so quickly. Because people would rather be full of themselves and living for themselves and thinking for themselves and seeking just for themselves. And nothing good comes from self. And yet God raises up a man in his generation. And listen to the words that Jeremiah spoke to his generation. Verse 11 of chapter 2. Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones? Even though they are not gods at all. And he's speaking on behalf of God. He says, yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. These are the words of God to a generation of people who think who think they are of God. And listen to what God says. My people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me. They have abandoned me. The fountain of living waters. And then if you flash forward to the New Testament when Jesus comes upon the earth and, and he's talking to his disciples and to the mass of people who are following him. And when he has that intimate encounter with the Samaritan woman, he talks to her as well about quenching the thirst, that he is the living water. And so we see it then, and so we see it here, that God's people were abandoning God, turning for themselves and seeking for things of this world to fill them, to quench a thirst within them. And it cannot be quenched. And the picture is like these cracked jars that can hold nothing. What's being poured in is just going right out. 
They're always left empty. I don't know about you. Have you experienced that in your life? You go through seasons just filling yourself and filling yourself and filling yourself and filling yourself and yet still life is just as messed up as it was when you first started. And for what? Because you've abandoned God. You've turned from God. You've turned back to the ways of this world. To the things of temporalness. And it will never satisfy you. Only God can satisfy us. Only God. There's no other hope but Jesus, you all. And we as the church, if, if you're calling yourself a Christian, like you're to bear his image. Like people need to see Christ in us. We're, we're, we're called to go and to declare the good news, every single one of us. And we gather, not for ourselves, but for him. And I was reminded about that this week. Like, we come to church, not, not for us to gain, but for Christ to be pleased. For us to, to lavish our love upon him, for us to, to lavish our love upon each other, to serve one another, to serve Christ. And so that as we go out and about throughout our week, that's what we're doing. We're serving Christ. We're loving Christ. We're serving and we're loving others. And this is the position that we take as the church. To humble ourselves. To think of others better than ourselves. To not hoard for ourselves, but to give. And to give freely. To live in such a way that Christ would be glorified. And as we've been walking through the Bible, that's what we've been learning. Like, why was God to bring in a people that he's calling his own to himself? He was doing that so that the nations would know his glory. That he would be made known throughout the nations. That God himself would be revealed. And as it was in the Old Testament, so it is in the New Testament. This New Testament, in the new covenant of Christ. Like he came and he willingly laid his life down for us. He took upon our punishment. He freely did that. All for the hope that we would be reconciled to God through him. There's no other way. There's no other way. Jesus, you all, have you thought of him? Have you just taken the time to, to sit daily and to meditate upon his goodness? To allow his Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, then come to Christ and receive freely. Freely receive this, this gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit who is now your teacher, your comforter, your guide. He will not lead you astray. But I'm afraid that today we're hearing false messages. We're hearing things that do not line up with this truth. And you have to take the whole truth. You just can't pick and choose what you like. You have to take the whole truth because it's ultimately about God and God alone. 
And so when we're trying to seek a, a gospel, when we're trying to seek a fellowship that's just going to cater to us, something is wrong. <laughs> because that's not the gospel. That is not what Jesus came to do. It is all about him and his kingdom. We are to be advancing his kingdom. We are to be preparing for his return. We're to be taking this serious, you all. It just can't be some kumbaya type of stuff. Like, it's serious. It's serious. We're talking about his kingdom, his eternal kingdom. We're talking about Jesus, you all. Listen, I didn't want to give my life fully to Christ. I spent a lot of time fighting him. I didn't want to surrender everything. Surely that's not what he's called me to do. Like, isn't this okay? Surely that's just crazy talk when I would hear it preached. But God, the more that he reveals himself to you, oh, you can run from him. But why would you? Why would you turn from him? I like what the scripture just said. Why would you abandon him? When he's all that you need, he fulfills us. He fulfills us. I'm broken, you all. Like when I think, and you think of for yourself, but I can only speak for myself. When I think of what he's done in my life, when I when I think about the man I used to be, when when I think about the desires that are within me, <coughs> when I think about where I could be today, <laughs> but God. When I think about how angry I was, how abusive I was how weak I was. When I think of my foul mouth, when I think of my mind just being distorted with just crazy thoughts and crazy images. When I wanted to hurt and destroy people. When I, when I myself was so bound by insecurities that I let others beat me to a pulp. When I think about all the different seasons that I lived in, and when I, when I think about the time that I was involved in the occult, when I think about the darkness that I allowed myself to, to give into, when I, when I think about the perversion and the level of, of darkness and sickness that I gave myself to. But God, can you say that for your own life? Can you see who you once were? And can you say, but God? Because that's it. It's no one else. It's nothing I could have done. It's no 12 steps that saved me and healed me. It's not years and years worth of, of therapy, yet there's nothing wrong with therapy and there's nothing wrong with 12 steps. But if they're apart from God, there's no wholeness that will ever come to an individual. Only God can take our tattered and torn and worthless lives and make us whole. Only in God do we know that we have a purpose because of his plan of redemption. Only God takes those who were once lost and delivers them. And now they're found in Christ. 
we cannot continue to remain ignorant of our identity of who we are in Christ. I've told you, if you've been around me long enough, I've told you, one of the things I pleaded with the Lord when I first gave my life to Him is, who am I now? And my question for us today is, who are you now? Can you ask that of yourself? Who am I? How am I to live now? If I'm not to live how I used to live, then how am I to live? And the only way that's ever going to be answered is opening the Word. The Bible is very clear. How does He transform us? By changing the way we think. See, see we, we can't keep thinking the thoughts that we thought before Christ. Because as you think, so you go, so you live. Every thought that comes in, if it is contrary, if it is opposite against the Word of God, you're to take it captive. You're not even to think about it. Right away you go, no, that's, that's so different than my Jesus. That is so different than the way that He's called me to live. And I'm going to take it captive. And then the Bible says, not only do you take it captive, but you bring it underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you say, God, how am I to live now? How am I to think now? If I'm not this broken individual, if I'm not this, you know, whatever you used to be and how you used to be and whatever's happened to you, if that is no longer to define me, then who and how and what am I? I'm a child of God. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I've been engrafted. I've been adopted into the family of God. And I've been given the right to call him daddy. So God, I'm not going to put my hand towards that. God, give me the strength not to look upon it. God, give me the the right mindset so that I don't speak words that, that tear down, but words that would build up. I don't want to curse. I don't want this tongue to continue to be a force of destruction because the Bible says that your words either tear down or build up. And as Christians, we're called to build up. We're called to proclaim the truth. And yet in our generation, people don't want to hear truth. People don't want to hear that a loving Savior came Gave of himself to set us free. Free from what? Free from yourself. Free from destruction. Like your all's eternity mean more to me than your temporalness of the second of the hour in which you're living. And you ought to be glad that I care more about your eternity than I do about your temporalness. And there will be things. And there will be truth. And there will be accountability and discipline. But it's because I care about your eternity more than I care about your temporalness. If I just cared about your temporalness, I would just let you be and do whatever you want, run amok. But no, I care more about your eternity. <clears throat> and I always use Norma as an example. But there was a time I had to tell her, Nora, you're not welcomed here anymore. And I even told her, when she was choosing to go and do her, I said, I can't counsel you as a believer. I only can counsel you as, as one who's lost in the world. So I can give you counsel. 
But in the end, it's not going to amount to anything. <laughs> because you're abandoning Jesus. And she went. She left. And years later, she picks up the phone and calls and we meet. But God. <laughs> and listen, she was angry at me. She lost her mother during that time, which even provoked even more anger towards me because I didn't reach out to her. See, I care more about her eternity than the temporalness of her life. And maybe that doesn't make sense to her in that moment and in that season. But it made sense to her because when she picked up the phone and said, I just want Jesus. She wasn't looking for Rob. She, she wasn't looking for Gilda. She wasn't looking for True Freedom Fellowship. She was just looking for Jesus. And I've told you all, that's all we have to give each other is Jesus. And if we're not maturing in that, if we're not growing up in that, then something is wrong. <laughs> then something is wrong. And as I've laid up yet again in bed with severe migraine this week, Triggered by a medical procedure, I say, God, there's a reason why you're, you're allowing me to go down. <laughs> so speak, Lord. <laughs> and as I laid this week praying, not just for myself, but for you, all of you, for us, I said, Oh God, help us to get up from where we've been. <laughs> And to get to where we ought to be. <laughs> because the hour is urgent. The hour in our generation is urgent. <laughs> that the body of Christ will awaken to her identity in Christ. That we will stop declaring that sin is greater than our God. <laughs> and as I lay there, and as I begin to pray... I said, God, serve the enemy notice in this fellowship, in each of their lives, that he's no longer in control. That, God, that we will turn from evil and that we will do good. That we would seek for peace and that we would work hard to maintain it. That we would not abandon you, God, and, and turn to these empty cisterns, these empty jars that hold nothing. But, God, that we would fix our eyes upon you and that we would be Christians. Yes. That we would honor you and that we would serve you above all. That we would just not come together and play church, but that we would be the church. That we would honor him and stop honoring the enemy. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ. 
who is the exact likeness of God. Satan, verse 4 of chapter 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us, our battle and our war is not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. But it's, it is it against, against the rulers and the principalities and the air of the darkness. There is a realm in which you cannot see, but that realm is targeting you day in and day out for your destruction. And it's Satan who blinds the eyes of the unbelievers. The gospel doesn't make sense to unbelievers. Oh, that our eyes would be open and that our ears would hear and that we would respond to truth. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's just not a flippant prayer. No, you see like your need for a Savior. You're like, oh God, look how wicked and, and foolish and destructive I am. I am acting as an agent of Satan. I am working against your kingdom. Oh, God, have mercy upon me. And you see this beautiful picture of Jesus displayed on the cross of the power of his resurrection that frees the sinner, that, that delivers the unrighteous unto righteousness from darkness into light. And you begin to think afresh and anew. Things just begin to, to make sense to you that never made sense before. Things just begin to come into a way, into an agreement with his truth as you're working and as you're, as you're moving forward, as you're growing, and as you're maturing as a Christian. Not seeking for perfection, but seeking for maturity. Because we're never fully perfected until we're with him. But now we're no longer a slave to sin, but we're a slave to righteousness. No longer does Satan have control over our heart and our minds. No longer can he blind us. <laughs> because he's been defeated. And do you live as that? <laughs> and I would just ask you to think about your week. <laughs> Think about where you've been, what you've done. Do you tremble at the word of God? Do you go, oh God, why did I touch that? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Oh God, does it make you sick to your stomach? That you said what you said, you thought what you thought, you did what you did. Does it make you sick? Because if it doesn't, your eyes are blinded. <laughs> God help us God help us because it's only through Christ and the power of his resurrection that we can step out from the control of Satan that we can step out from the pool of this world that we can step out from the desires that are so deep within this flesh that we can say no more because I've nailed those passions to his cross 
My interests in the world are done with. The world's interests in me are done. I'm, I'm not playing a weird game. No, this is life now. This isn't just some charade. No, this is life now. Just as much as we gave ourselves to the old is just as much as we have to give ourselves to the new. God, here I am, fully surrendered unto you, Lord. Not my will, but your will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I wasn't joking two weeks or three weeks ago when I said, who is standing and praying with me for us? Like, who is taking this serious? Are you standing up in the authority in which Christ has given us? And are you, are you commanding light to come forth? Chains to be broken? Freedom to come forth? Christ to be acknowledged and loved and adored. Because it shouldn't just be me. If you're showing up here on Sundays, it should be you too. It should be you too. You should be showing up to please the Father. You should be showing up to humble yourself and serve. You should be showing up to hear and then to obey. And not to obey man, but to obey Christ. Because you've been given the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you're given the Holy, you've been given the Holy Spirit. And remember the Word of God says, do not live a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. And you say, but I don't know how to live. I don't know what to do. But you can't keep using that excuse. Because if you're really hungry, you would search to be discipled. You would search, and then you would realize what you're, what you're listening to, what you're reading, what you're, what you're putting yourself to is just not for yourself, but it's for others. It's for others. People should be impacted by your maturity in Christ. They should see a level and a difference if there's something different. Not just because you go off and pray by yourself, but yet you come back and act like the devil. That's not anything different. That's just religion. And everyone can do religion. Everyone can sit around and listen to sermons and listen to music and pray and even show up for church. The devil doesn't mind you coming to church. The devil doesn't mind you listening to a sermon or worshiping with music or, or praying. But start applying it. Start living it. Start walking it out. Start really believing it. Start allowing your life to be transformed by it. And you don't have to be afraid of the devil. Because he can't touch you. See, if you're in Christ, the enemy has no right to you. The only right that the enemy may get in your life is what you give him. Because you abandon God. The Bible says to keep the house clean. Because once the demons leave, oh, and the house gets unkept again, they come back even stronger. Even stronger. See, the principles of his kingdom are true. 
Rather you, rather you say, I don't believe in that part. No, no, no. It doesn't matter. Because what's established is truth, and it's been established even before the earth was created. All of this, this isn't man's doing. This is God's word. It's his living word. And it has to be true to the church. It has to be true to us. And so we come together already prepared. See, I don't have to show up for church to get boost stuff. No, because throughout the week, I'm already living it. I'm coming to church to be among my family, to, become, to be among the family of Christ, to encourage, to edify, to hear from God, to worship collectively, to please Him. Like, God, it's all about you. Jesus, it's all about you, everything we do. All the way down to guilt of preparing the food. It's just to please God. It's just to please God. And so we have to get up, you all. We have to wake up. We have, we have to wipe our, the, the sleep from our eyes. we got to unstop our ears and say, yes, God. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Are you doing that daily? Are you seeking him? The Bible says if you seek him, you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart. Not a divided heart. He can't just be God when, when we're in desperate need. Oh, God, help us. No, he needs to be God in and out of every season you're going to face. In and out of every season. So today, I'm going to share verses with you. That don't be emailed out. If you're not on our email and you want to be on it or to get this, or if you're not on our Facebook and you want to be on it, you just need to see Carrie so she can get you set up, so you can get these scriptures. I want to encourage you to take these scriptures that I'm going to read today and meditate upon them. These are scriptures that are designed for warfare. Truth from God's word to hold up against the enemy over your life, over your family, over your jobs, over your schools, over your finances, over the church. Like the weapons that we have are not of our own. They're divine. The Bible says he gives us the weapons of our warfare to demolish strongholds over you as an individual, over your family, over your city, over your nation, over the church. And what are strongholds? Their thought patterns that you're thinking over and over and over that don't line up with the truth of God's word. How does he enslave us? How does he activate his, his, his power to, to draw us down? The moment that we start abandoning God. The moment that we don't take thoughts captive, the moment that the thought comes in that is opposite against God's word, and we start thinking upon it, and then because as you think, so you're going. So as soon as you think upon it, you're going to act upon it. And as soon as you act upon it, it takes hold. It takes hold of you. But don't allow it to remain your master. <clears throat> Because you're a slave unto righteousness now. Christ is your master. So when you see yourself living under the enslavement of sin, you need to be reminded, shake yourself off and go, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Why are you ruling me? 
No, 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 no. I'm a child of God. And that's when you run towards God. That's when you take the truth of Scripture. You should be meditating upon Scripture. You should be reading and studying the Word of God. You you should be applying the Word of God. You should be hearing the Word of God. And you should be acting upon the Word of God. (laughs) Because that's where the transformation comes. And so you're a freed individual. But so many times we get hung up on the strongholds. So many times we get tripped up over sin. And so then we start abiding in it, even though we're tormented in it. We abide in it. We know we don't belong there, but we do nothing to get up. Because we only think of ourselves, And then it eats away. It's a very destructive nature. But the Holy Spirit always brings conviction. Stop going that way. Stop doing that. Turn to me. Turn to me. And that's how quick you can be free from its power and its hold. Just turn to him. Turn to him. And let him work within you. The very power that raised him from the dead is inside of you. Have you activated it? The very power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what the word of God says. Is active in your life. Or is it just replying and remaining dormant? It ought not to be. You need to activate it. You need to walk in the fullness of who Christ is. With the authority of Christ. The Bible says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. But yet, why is the church looking like hell? It's not because God's word isn't true. It's because the church, the bride, doesn't know her identity. She's still whoring around with the world. She's still giving herself and wanting herself to be given to the things of the world. She keeps going and searching for those empty cisterns, those broken jars. (laughs) And that ought not to be. That ought not to be. ought not to be. Especially because Christ is risen. Go study the book of Acts. Look at the church, you all. Look at who we are. Look at who we were. All throughout the generations. Look how beautiful and spotless she is. Look power of God among her. Like the church, you all. The church. The bride of Christ. Those united in Christ who have died to themselves. Who are living a new life in Christ. Who understands that she has a purpose in this world. The purpose to uphold righteousness. The purpose to be light amongst the darkness. The purpose not to to intertwine with the filth of this world, but that she's been delivered from it. And she's not even touched or stained by it. All because of Christ, her Lord. Remember when we opened up in Jeremiah? God said to them, What nation 
gives up their gods. You look at these false gods, you look at these other nations, you look at these other religions, they're not turning. They're not finding new gods every morning, every day. They've got one, and some have millions of gods. <laughs> but they cling to whatever, they're, whatever they purpose to be. <clears throat> and yet the people of God abandon the true living God to chase after these false gods. And God help us. God help us to grow and to mature. I'm just going to read these scriptures. You don't need to turn to them because I'm just going to kind of just read them out. I want to encourage you to pray through these scriptures, to memorize these scriptures, to get into the word of God. Scriptures of warfare. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. A lot of us do the second part of that scripture. And we wonder why we're getting our tails beaten. We, we, we try in our own strength to resist the devil. But it's not working because we're first not submitting ourselves to God. You wonder why you're still defeated? You wonder why you're still embraced the, the filth that you're embracing and going where you're going and you ought not to be going, but you say, I'm resisting, I'm resisting, I'm praying, I'm doing this and I'm doing that, but you're trying to do it all in your own strength. And if I've ever counseled you, if I've ever encouraged you, I always encourage you, stop saying I'm trying. Because <laughs> that's the problem. You're trying. You're trying to resist the enemy. And nothing in you can defeat him. Only Christ in you. So you first have to submit yourself to God. And are you submitting yourself to God? Does he have lordship over your life? And that's where I'm concerned for us. Because listen, God, listen. I told y'all I love you. But I'm concerned for us. I am so concerned for us. I don't want us to be double-minded. I don't want us to hold a form of religion and deny his power. Something is wrong among us. And it's not just with the few, but it's all of us. All of us. There's something wrong. And we better wake up to it. Like, are you submitting yourself to Christ? Submit yourself to God. God, I am yours. Teach me how to walk afresh and anew. Deliver me from the filth that I've given myself to. Cleanse me from the stains that have tainted me. I don't want to keep going my way. I don't want to keep going towards this or that or this or that. I don't want to keep making a mockery of your blood. <laughs> like, God, I'm submitting myself to you. See, you just can't read these words. You have to know how to apply them. How are you submitting yourself to God? That's where it all starts, you all. When you bowed your knee and you accepted Jesus, 
you submitted yourself to him. And that's the position in which you remain. Humbled. Down low. Oh God, you're God. But here I am, Lord. Your servant. Use me. Send me. Send me into a, a dying world. My God, I want to see captives set free. I'm being so serious, you all. And I'm not being mean, but I'm not, I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of just gathering with a group of people who are choosing not to submit to God. And you say, well, how do you know I'm not submitting to God? Look at your lives. Look at your lives. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And look at this promise. He will flee. Because where the presence of God is, the devil is not in control. He's not in control. Doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. Doesn't mean you're not going to face issues in life. But as you have those problems, as you're facing those issues, as you're feeling like you're being pressed up against, you know you're not going to be crushed because God is for me. He's not against me. God is working all things out for the good. For those who love him and are called according to his purposes. See, you're quick to come back when life throws itself at you. When the enemy comes attacking. The world comes a-calling. The flesh is desiring. You can say, no. Because I'm submitted to Christ. And I'm resisting the enemy. And you have to flee. You have to flee. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. That's your position. That's what you ought to be declaring. This is, what you ought, this is the knowledge in which you should be possessing. That greater is in me than he that is in this world. That what God has begun in me, God is faithful to complete. And it's not me doing it, it's God doing it. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 through 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around look like a roaring lion looking for someone to, re to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith and full submission unto Christ. Resist him. <laughs> and I think I told you all this before about a lion. A lot of us look at lions and we think that they're the, they're the, they're the mighty king of the jungle. <laughs> and yet they're very lazy animals. A lion is a very lazy animal. All he has is his roar. His roar is fierce. 
And when he roars, its prey becomes paralyzed. And the lion then jumps and devours. But if that little prey knew that all the lion had was his roar, and if that little prey kept running, the lion is so lazy, he'll give up. He'll turn around and he'll lay back down. All he has is his roar. And so it is with the enemy. All he has is his roar. But don't let him paralyze you. And you forget who you are. And whom you belong to. No, you keep running. You keep gaining ground for the kingdom of God. Because you're part of the winning team. Because Christ is risen. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The position of power. He is seated. And that ought to give us all a level of confidence, not in ourselves, but in the one in whom we say is our God. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Isaiah 54, verse 17. No weapon forged against you will prosper. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to prosper to try to come against you. (laughs) Oh, they'll be formed, but they're not going to prosper. Christ in us. Christ for us. He has delivered us. We are secured in Christ. And so we're not walking and living a life of defeat. And this is a very important scripture to really have in your heart. Because when life throws you a ton of bricks, you're going to need to be able to stand with the assurance of who your God is. And how quick are we to give up on our God when life goes wrong? When we just don't feel right? No, we can't be quick to abandon Him. No, we got to cling to Him. Those are the moments and the seasons of our life that we have to turn to Him and God, I'm holding on to you. A few years ago, we were with my nephew Jonathan. We were heading out to go Christmas shopping. And I said, let me pray for us as we head out. No weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And then we go into Perkins. And I said, Jonathan, let me slip by you. He picked up his chair and he put it down and his chair went into my bare foot because I was wearing flip-flops. And my heart stopped. I have a condition where one of my nerves, whenever my body is under intense stress, I play possum, it shuts my heart down. They used to bury people alive with the condition that I have. So I tell Gilda, if they ever tell you I'm dead, give me at least two weeks before you bury me. <laughs> you ever hear about people coming alive in the morgue? Yeah. That's the condition they have. And my grandson has it sitting back there. My niece has it. But God, I just prayed that morning. <laughs> no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And yet here I am in the emergency room. 
But you know what? I needed to experience that because laying in that hallway of the emergency room, I began to command darkness to leave. I began to tell the enemy, you are a liar. (laughs) Because the enemy was whispering in my ear, I told you I was going to kill you. Years ago, when I was doing ministry up north, I was at a traffic light, and all of a sudden such darkness came over my car, and I heard clearly the roar of the enemy, I'm going to kill you. Life began to take its turns, ins and outs. I ended up back down here in Orlando. My first time in my heart stopped. And I remember laying in that hospital room and it became so dark. The presence of hell was so strong. And the enemy was whispering in my ear, I am going to kill you. And I suffered for many years of anxiety and depression. Even though I was in ministry. I was hurting so bad. But that time when I was in, after I had my, my nephew did that to my foot, I began to face the, the years of the lies from hell and said, no, 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 you can't have me. That which thought it was going to prosper that morning, couldn't. Because just like my father, I got up. Just when hell thinks it has you defeated, get up, you all. Get up. Get up from the sin that so easily entangling you. Get up from the lies that you're believing. Break free from those broken relationships that you ought not to be in. Get up. Get up and live. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians 6, verse 11 through 17. Again, this just isn't a, a good night story. A little, ha that's nice. These are just words. No, this is the living word of God. If you're a Christian, this is who you are now. This is how you're to be living now. You've been transformed out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So therefore, live as such, work as such, talk as such, think as such, and fight as such. If you can only see the spiritual realm and the forces of hell that are out to attack you and your family, to destroy you, and yet you giggle and laugh along with them. You yoke yourself with the very thing that is destroying your lives. Ha 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 ha! And then you act like you have this attitude like, I'm going to do me, I'm going to do me. You're not doing you. You're just a fool. 
Living as if there is no God. Just going your way. Laughing along with the very things that are destroying you. But Christians? Oh no. You recognize it. Not on my watch. Oh no. That's why I said I can't be the only one praying for us. There has to be some of you that are standing up and praying. And saying, not on my watch. You've done this enough in my family. You've done this enough in my church. You've done this enough over this individual's life. You've done it enough. Satan, we serve you notice in Jesus' name. Light to come forth. Darkness be banished. And you have the authority to stand. Or you could just sit and smother. <laughs> but in the end, it's your eternity. It's you. It's what you've chosen. But why? When you hear this, are you not applying it? And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Romans 8, 37. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Zechariah 4, 6. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. Behold, I have given you authority to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Luke 10, 19. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. John 10, 10. It's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But it's Christ Jesus who has came to give us life and life in the full. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Matthew 18, verse 18 through 19. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Deuteronomy 28, verse 7. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John 16, verse 33. Jesus' words. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heed. I have overcome the world. Listen, this world doesn't want Jesus, you all. It never will. And the closer we get to his return, the harder it's going to be to preach the gospel. The closer it gets to his return, you're going to see a great falling away. The Antichrist is going to come up on the world platform. Many people are going to be deceived by signs and wonders. Many people are going to believe false truth. And then when Christians stand up to declare truth, they are going to be killed and slaughtered. Well, that's not a motivating message, Pastor. 
Give us something that's going to make us feel good that we can bebop through the week with. Are you prepared to stand? Are you prepared to say, Jesus is my Lord. I'm not going that way. I'm not turning from Him. I'm not abandoning Him. Even when it's not popular. Because it's not popular today. It's not popular today. Christianity was never meant to be popular. Because Jesus knew the world in which He was coming. He knew that they would reject Him. He knew to His followers and He told His followers that they hated me, they're going to hate you. And why aren't we preparing the church to understand this? Why aren't we preparing each other to be able to stand in times of adversity? Why aren't we preparing each other to encourage each other to stop going your way? Stop living such a selfish life. Get over yourself. Stop turning to perversion. Stop turning to alcohol and drugs and sex and your foul mouth and your bad attitudes and your selfish, so self-centered mindset. Get over it. Because the first to go are going to be you. At first, when the church is being rounded up, you're going to be the first to say, I don't know him. Oh yeah, they're crazy. We have to prepare you all. We have to prepare. And we have to live. And we have to love and we have to serve those who want to harm us. I don't have to fight with people out there in the world. I love them because I was, no, I, was, I was once no different. I was just where they were at. But I know the love of the Father. I know what He's done in my life. And that's why I'm passionate to preach it and to share it and to counsel people. Even strangers who show up at the front door. Even from phone calls that I get. And all we have is Jesus to give them. Jesus. In hopes to equip them and to prepare them to be able to stand in times of adversity. In times when when everything is coming against them. To be able to declare the truth of God's word. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will always provide a way out so that you can endure it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Temptation is not the sin. Sin is when you give in to temptation. So when the thoughts come to go to your old ways, to act in your old attitudes to do what you used to do, when the desire comes and they're so strong within you, especially if you're enslaved to pornography, you don't have to give in to it. You don't have to live as someone who is unclean. God will always make a way out, so seek Him in times of temptation. And that shouldn't become hard because you ought to be seeking Him even when times aren't tempting. (laughs) Because it's an active lifestyle of just who you are now. I'm just in constant process of seeking God. And so I don't have to activate it when temptation comes. No, it's already a constant process within me. Because it's just who I am. 
and it should be just who you are. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John eight thirty two. And do not overcome with e- do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans twelve twenty one. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Revelations twelve eleven. <laughs> your testimony, what God has done in your life, and what God is doing in your life. He's not complete with you. There's so much more He wants to do. So keep testifying what God is doing in your life. And you will overcome the enemy. You will overcome the naysayers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 1 Timothy 6 verse 12. And on this rock I would build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16, verse 18. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. 1 John 3, 8. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, verse 31. One of your men puts to flight a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you, just as he promised you. Joshua 23, verse 10. And do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. Deuteronomy 3, chapter 22. And what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. And through you, we must punish back our adversaries. Through your name, we will trample down those who rise up against us. Psalms 44, verse 5. Have I not commanded you, says the Lord? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9. For you have girded me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. Psalm 18 verse 39. And he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Psalm 91 verse 1 through 4. And this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours but God's. Second Corinthians, I mean Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 15. You see, when we belong to Christ, the enemy never has the final word over our lives. We are secured in God's hands. So we're called to press on, to live as free people, to come in, fellowship with Christ and with each other, to honor Him in this generation. When there's so much chaos going on in this world, when there's so much destruction hitting the earth on all corners, the church needs to rise up. The church needs to take her position in Christ. The church needs to live in this darkened world 
and be the light so that others may know the glory of our God. That they would know that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That He is the Almighty God, the Deliverer, the Savior of mankind. Like, do you know your God? How do you encourage yourself daily? Because trust me, when I went through that procedure, if I didn't know God, I don't know where I would be right now. As I laid there this week, I said, oh, God. Remember what I said earlier? The first thing I turned to was to God. God, as I'm going down, what do you have for me in this? I'm not giving the enemy the upper hand. I'm not giving anything else the upper hand. No, God, I'm trusting you in this. And he told me the same thing he told me going through the, the years of crazy medical issues. I want you to live for me. And I want you to burn brighter, Rob. Like when I lay there and I think, my God, I can live for another 30 years. Possibly longer. <laughs> or maybe this is all I have and I'll drop dead today. But the thought that I can live another 30 years, I go, Jesus, I don't want to waste any time. I want you to think about your age, how old you are. The average age for a man is 78. The average age for a woman, I believe, is 86 or 87. And people are living longer. So I want you to think of your age right now. And I want you to subtract what the age I just told you is the cap is for a man or for a woman. How many years could you live? Get it, really do this for yourself. And do you really want to stay stuck where you're at? For another 50, 30, 40, 60 years? You will if you don't walk in Christ. Years of the same constant struggle and torment Years of bondage and enslavement that's been passed on to you from your ancestors. It's just a vicious cycle of destruction, of perversion, of just filth and craziness. It's just destruction. Have you seen the images of Hurricane Michael? I said, my God, give us eyes to see that that's our lives. A wasteland. Destruction. And that's not what was prepared for us. That's not what God has for us. And that is not what God has. But that is what the church is up against. And yet he leaves us on this earth and he says, Go do my bidding. Go do my will. Be light. Be salt. Be love. Preach the gospel. It's just not for the pastor to preach. All of us have that calling. You should be sharing the gospel. And it should be activated in your life so that people can see that your words are matching your life. Listen, we got to wake up. we got to wake up. The hour is urgent. The time is now. 
These years that I've spent, I thank God for because I'm telling you something's happening inside of me. Listen, I would love just to get up to, just to do a, a motivational speech for you all. It's a lot easier. Feed you and send you on your way. <laughs> but no, 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 no. I can't. I'm responsible. I'm responsible. You show up here. I'm responsible to God for you. <laughs> and if I don't declare truth to you, I'm going to be responsible for that. The Bible is very clear for teachers. That there is a level of accountability that I've got to stand before God. And if I just play church with you all, oh God, no, no. I've got a holy fear. <laughs> and I've got 30 some odd more years. <laughs> and I don't want to play church. I don't want to play church. I want to build a fellowship that's going to glorify God. <laughs> It's going to honor God, not just when we're with each other, but as you go from this place. And as you live your life in your schools and in your jobs and among the community. And that they people's lives will be impacted. And that then we can multiply. And that we're discipling people. And there's a growth taking place. And there's an awakening that's taking place in the church. And I got such confirmation the other night. I posted it on Facebook. If you have three hours, sit for three hours and listen to it. If you don't have three hours, then break up each speaker. They're an hour long. Get in there and listen to it. So you just don't think I'm crazy. I don't know these men. I don't have any listen to me. I don't know them personally. I know of some of their teachings. But what they're saying now lines up to what you're hearing. And I said, God, there's something, there's a shift taking place in the spiritual realm with spiritual leaders and with Christians saying, we want more of God. We're tired of the way church is. And I'm just going to read through these. I'm going to close. I just got a few more minutes with you. But I want you to hear some of these notes from what I took the other night. As I lay there in bed, I chose not to bring us together to listen to it on that Friday night. I chose to lock myself in my room, and I wanted to hear what these men had to say. And when they were speaking, I go, oh God, that's what you put in my heart. And I wept for three hours. As I was typing up the notes, tears are just coming down my eyes. And I'm going, oh God, there's an awakening taking place in the Western church saying, listen, we're doing church wrong. We're doing church wrong. We've made it about a show. We've made it that people just feel comfortable coming in and going, oh, okay, and then going out and nothing has changed. And that's not what the church is. Like you're a Christian. If you're sitting here and you're saying you're a Christian, then you are a Christian, so you have to live like one. You cannot keep making excuses because you're making a mockery of a living God. And people are going to hell. To an eternal hell. And one of these guys gave, gave this number that just, oh, Jesus. 2.8 billion people on this earth have no access to a church or to a Christian. 2.8 billion. 
billion people. <laughs> and if they drop dead tonight, they will be separated for eternity from a living God. And yet we, the church, are called to go. And you can say, oh yeah, whatever. No, I don't believe that. Open your Bible. If Jesus is passionate about it, who do we think that we are not being passionate about it? But yet we want to say we're a follower of Christ. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. And you have no concept of the lost, of hell. And yet Jesus talks about that constantly. And you don't even think about it daily because you're so consumed with yourself. Something is wrong in the church. Something is dead wrong in the church. And not just here, but in the West. There is something wrong. Listen, I didn't lay my life, I didn't walk away from my life and, and lay my life down just to play church. I gave my life to my Savior. I said, God, here I am. I don't know where I'm going or what's next or what I'm going to do, but God, I love you. And have I been perfect? No, but He has. Have there been times I wanted to turn from him and abandon him? Oh, God, yes. More than I would rather talk about. But he has been faithful. And he is all that I have. It is him who has to define me. And so I was so moved when I was listening to these other pastors. And one of these pastors used to have a mega church, very popular pastor. And one of his board members, one of his elders came to him and said, Pastor, I don't think we're pleasing God. And he said, how can that be? Look how big our church is. Look how popular my teachings are. Look at lives being impacted for the kingdom. And then he had another guy in his church said, Pastor, I'm going to go away to school and I'm going to get my doctorate. And the pastor was like, yeah, well, then go do that and then come back and serve the church. And he says, no, 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 I can't come back because I don't think we're pleasing God. And the pastor's like, what? And then when the pastor really started praying, him and his wife started praying, they realized, wait a minute, we're not pleasing God. All we've done is opened up a building for people to come in on a Sunday and sit and then leave and don't live like the church the rest of the days. We have a fellowship of people who just want to be entertained. And not a people who want to live. He says, I don't want to be around those people anymore. I want to be around people who love Jesus. I don't want to be around people that I call a prayer meeting and they show up. And after 30 minutes, they're tired. Or they're like, oh, this is boring. Or play some music. Have someone speak. He says, no, I don't want to be around people like that anymore. I want to be around people who come in and say, Jesus, we love you. And three hours, four hours, five hours pass, and we're still in prayer. Praying for our community. Praying for our nation. Praying for the 2.8 billion people that are lost. And how can we reach them? I want to be around people who love Jesus. 
I want to cultivate a fellowship that loved Jesus. And I'm listening to this man speaking. I'm going, oh God. And he walked away from his church. And you know what he's establishing? Do you know what his vision is throughout the United States? House churches. This. What we're doing. What we've been doing for 20 some odd years it seems. There's a shifting taking place. People are hungering for God. People want to know God. Are you a part of it? Three questions David, Pastor David Platt gave us. How convinced are you that you have been saved solely by God's grace and supremely for His glory among the nations? Because salvation is grounded only in God's sovereign grace. Why does God save people? For His glory to be made known among the nations. God loves us supremely for His glory and His glory alone. You are to love the glory of God among the nations more than your own life. How confident are you to make disciples? The second question. And multiply churches without dependence on performances, programs, and professionals. God is going to glorify Himself by forgiving His people's sins and give them a new spirit. His spirit in us. God dwells within us. He gave us His Spirit so that we will obey His will. And what is His will? To make His glory known among the nations. Believers in Christ are not just forgiven of their sins, but given His Holy Spirit to make His glory known among the nations. We are to obey His will so that we can bear witness to His glory throughout the world. All we need is the Spirit of God and the Word of God. How desperate are you, question three, to see dead people come to life? The dead will come to life when the Christians, when servants of God, speak the Word, empowered by His Holy Spirit. Trust not in yourself, but the power, His power, to bring the dead to life. We need to think upon and speak more of the power of God than the hard soil and the issues throughout the world. God can bring the dead to life. If we are desperate, then we will have a sense of urgency to share with others, to see the dead come to life. And when we're talking about the dead, we're talking about people who are spiritually dead. But do you have that passion? Because you ought to as a believer. If you don't, then something's wrong with your Christianity. The next pastor, Pastor Andrew Scott, he talked about global missions, and he's the one who says there are 2.8 billion people have no access to the gospel in the world, no access to the word or to Christians. We spend more money on Halloween costumes for our pets than on spending on spreading the gospel to unreached people. You should be sowing into the kingdom. You should be giving. No one should have to twist your arm or to preach a guilt sermon. <laughs> no, you should be freely given. You say, well, I don't have much. Then give what you can. Give what you can. I give you all opportunities to give. We have an opportunity now to support medical missions throughout the world for the month of October. 
I don't care if it's a quarter you put in there. Give what you can and be joyful about it. If you can give more, give more. You should give towards the gospel going forth. To supporting your local church, your local fellowship. Giving to what we do here. Giving towards the food. Giving towards the outreaches that we do. Giving towards the needs. Should be giving. I mean, he goes on. He says, we need to rethink what we are doing. There are amazing things going on throughout the world. Churches are exploding and growth in areas that are closed. But there is still 2.8 billion people who need to hear the gospel. We have an access challenge, a credibility problem. We must rethink our models. We have a positioning challenge. We have a scalability problem. We have a sustainability problem. This is an exciting time to live, he says. The problem is more than the models. It's what we believe. As you think, so you act. What message have we heard in our lifetime from pulpits or from the world that keeps us trapped in our ignorance of our true identity in Christ? We are trapped focusing on self and self alone. Who is called to go? Everyone. All of us. If you're sitting here today and you're a Christian, you're called because you were purposed. You were made for this generation. You weren't just a second thought to God. No, God designed you and he knew the generation which you would be born in. So he has purposed you here. And why do you think hell is doing everything it can to keep you down? Because if you got wind of truth, if you gave your life to Christ, if you live like a Christian, you're going to impact this generation for the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God. He goes on and he talks from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 14. We were purposed by God for God, for his glory. So know your identity and walk in your purpose, not defined by you or another, but solely by God and Christ Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You weren't called, you were made for his purpose. In Colossians 1, 15 through 20, he says, Christ is supreme and all creation was created for his purpose. He doesn't want part of our lives, but all of us. From Ephesians 2.10, we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared for us to do. So everything must be centered and rooted in the knowledge that we were created by him and for him to bear witness of his glory among the nations. When is the last time someone looked at your life and said, wow, God is amazing? Did you hear that question? When was the last time, when was the last time someone looked at your life and said, wow, God is amazing? Because that's what they should be saying. It's not a call we wait for, but a command that we are to obey. In Acts 8, verse 1 through 4, the church was scattered under great persecution, but the gospel was preached. When we can break free from the lies and thoughts that keep us from our purpose, we will then begin to live our lives on purpose in Christ, impacting the nations and seeing unbelievers come to Christ. And then Ephesians 1, verse 18 through 23, a prayer for spiritual insight. And finally, the last pastor, Pastor Francis Chan, is God pleased with our gatherings? This was his question. Do we think about what pleases God in our gatherings? 
He wants us to believe His Word to the point of action. Faith and obedience. What would the church look like if we just wanted to please God? The greatest command is to be a lover of God. In Matthew 10, verse 37-38, Are you worthy of Him? God should be enough. Do you long for Him? God doesn't lower the bar. It's all or nothing. Are we developing lovers of Jesus? In John 15, verse 9 through 17, abide in his love and love one another as he has loved us. John 13, 34, they will know that we belong to him by our love for one another. The church isn't about what you want, but what would please him. John 17, Jesus prays that we would be one as he and the Father are one. Philippians 1, verse 27 through 28, standing together and contending for the faith, unified, loving each other. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, leaders were given to the church so that the body will be built up and reach unity in faith. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, do you desire the gifts just for yourself? or for the use of encouraging others for their common good. You see, this life is to be supernatural. And then he goes on. People are just showing up to church to take, take, and take, instead of showing up seeking to please God and others. And then he ended, and I'll end with this story. He met a pastor in China. And I don't know if you know about China, Christians have to worship in secret. But there was a time a few years ago when the government allowed this pastor to have a building. He had 2,000 people showing up for his services. And the government decided to close it down. They put that pastor in prison. The church was forced to go back underground. And he told Francis that was the best thing that ever happened. Because when we were given the platform to do the way the American church does, my people stopped growing. They just showed up for church. And they left, and their lives were changing. And Pastor Chan said, don't follow us, because we've been doing it wrong. The pastor said, when we went back underground, my church began to thrive. Those who said they believed, believed. And they have five points. These are the standards in the underground church in China. Listen to what each Christian is held accountable to. These five standards, if you were sitting in a church in China, the pastor would be coming to you, holding you accountable for these five things. Number one, devoted to the word of God. Are you devoted to the Word of God? That's what they ask their fellowship. Are you devoted to the Word of God? Do I see growth in your life? Are you devoted to the Word of God? Two, are you committed to prayer? Listen, when they gather for prayer, they pray. They pray. Not some little soulish prayer. No, they pray for the kingdom of God to hit this earth. For the kingdom of God to advance. Trust me, when they're meeting, at any moment... The doors could be busted down, they could be beaten, they could be dragged off and hauled to prison. These are the conditions as they're secretly walking through the streets trying to get to the place that they're secretly to leave meeting just to hear about Jesus. Welcome to church on Sunday, you all. We're going to pray. You're committed to your devotion to the Word of God. You're committed to prayer. And you're expected to share the gospel. Everyone. 
you're accountable. Who did you share the gospel with this week? Who did you share the gospel with this week? Who did you share the gospel with this week? They're committed. And they're held accountable to that. And again, they can share the gospel and they can be thrown into prison. They're living under intense persecution now in China, yet again. And yet they're held accountable. Who did you share the gospel with this week? They don't take it lightly. They don't come to church and just be like, oh, okay, whatever, and make faces. And, uh, these are what they're held accountable to. The fourth one, they expect miracles. They expect the sick to be healed. They expect God to break through, move in a way that, that, will, that will just enlarge their, their followers. They expect miracles. They, they expect provision. They expect Bibles to be confiscated into the, to China and that the people who are smuggling it in won't get caught. That miraculously, the eyes of, of the government and of the, of the, of the soldiers would be blinded as they're opening up packages and they don't see the Bibles and they get through. They hear testimonies of these things. They expect miracles because they know their God. And finally, finally, this is what the pastor tells them. This is a standard in which you will live by to embrace suffering for the glory of Christ. If you're arrested and beaten and tortured, embrace it with joy and suffer with joy for the glory of Christ Jesus, your Lord. Think about hearing that every Sunday, you all. And you think we just play church. And you all get offended when I have to get up and correct you. And you think, why over these past few years, I'm done. I'm finally at a point where I said, God, okay, I'm done. I don't want to keep doing it if all we're doing is just showing up and playing church. No, God, send me back out on the streets because that's where I come from. I want to go back out into the streets and do street ministry. And I want to have a people that are going out on the streets with me who are lovers of Jesus, not just pretenders. Not just pretenders. And that's for all of us. Like, be a lover of Jesus. And let's get out there. And let's go get the harvest. In our community... And if he sends us through to the world, let us go with unwavering passion. Saying, yes, God. Did you hear these standards? Did y'all listen to what this, the churches in China are held up to? And then Francis asked in closing, are you willing to lose your life? Because this is what we're called for. Our life for the gospel. For his kingdom and for his glory. And I was so moved. It was like, God, thank you. I needed that. I needed to know that I'm not crazy, God. And it reminded me of the prophet Elijah. After he did this incredible miracle of calling fire down from heaven. And then Queen Jezebel said, well, I'm going to kill him. And he took off running. 
The man of God. <laughs> Scared now. Then he's like, am I the only one left? And God's like, no, no, no. Don't think so highly of yourself. I've got others that I've hidden away. Listen, we're not the only ones. I'm not the only one. There is something happening in the body of Christ in America. There's an awakening taking place. People are being delivered out of such crazy lifestyles. And they are on fire for God. And I go, Jesus, the time is now. The time is now. And if you've been among this fellowship for all these years, we had it here. We had it, Gil and I started way before any of you over at the house over in Rush Court. And God was doing incredible things there. We bounced around. But God has kept us. And God has moved us. And we have been under a lot over these past years. Where every other season it's like we were about to be stripped down. And have nothing. And be nothing. And yet each time God breathes life in us. And I believe that God is breathing life yet again. And I believe this time he's going to sustain us. Not because of one man, but because I pray that there would be a group of people who will come and say, we want to be lovers of Jesus. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything, but I want to be a lover of Jesus. I want to know what it's like. I want to know my God. And I want to live for him in this generation. I want to give myself completely to him. I want to be among the body of Christ on the earth. And I want to be the ones who stand up and say, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Find us faithful. Find us ready. <laughs> Let us be those people, you all. I can't force you. There's nothing in even in grossly near I have no power. But I pray for you. Because I am concerned that there is a lack for love of Jesus among us. Pray for that to be awakened. I pray for that to be awakened. Friday night, we're starting a new series from Pastor Chan called The Letters to the Churches. It's nine weeks. I hope everyone comes. For nine weeks, just commit to coming. You don't have to read the book. If you want a book, get a book. If you can't afford a book, I'll get you a book. But come, listen to the video. Listen to the questions that are being asked. Come, learn. And if you can't get here on Friday because of your schedule, then yet you're still interested and you're committed, then I'll figure out somehow, some way for you to watch it, for you to be a part of it. You just got to let me know. But please be serious. Please be serious. You all are welcomed here. But I'm asking you that as we're moving forward, I'm expecting if you're showing up here for you to want to grow and to be a lover of Jesus. Stop talking about each other. Stop talking so negatively about me and about this church. Just stop it. And if you can't, then please, 
I would rather you not come than for me to have to ask you, don't come. I would rather all of you, that goes from carrying all around the room to downstairs. Because I want to get about my father's business. And I want to be among people who want to be about the father's business. I want to get back out on the streets. I want to get back out on the streets. I want to see lives changed for the glory of God. But I'd be darned if we're going to go out on these streets and they see a bunch of crazy folks that don't know how to love each other, that talk so bad about each other, that gossip and backbite and devour me. Listen, I'm not perfect. I'm not expecting y'all to love me. But if I hear another report about me being torn down, then I want to make sure you know you're not welcome here. Because you're nothing but a divisive tool of the enemy. Divisive tool of the enemy. And listen, for those of you who don't like Carrie, she's part of this church. And you all like her when you need something from her. But I'm sick of hearing everyone put her down. Because it gets back to me. And she probably doesn't even know it. But yes, Carrie. And how sad. Because if there's someone who I know will serve all of us at a moment's notice, it would be her. It would be her. And I'm done. And I'm so done. With all the craziness and the mockery and the junk that's going on. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to live for Jesus. I want to be a lover of Jesus. I want to build a community of people who are lovers of Jesus. And if you want just to run amok, then that's fine. Go run amok. But I want us to move forward. I want us to move forward. I want you to come prepared with a Bible in hand each day you come. I want you to come prepared to hear the word of God and then be, be, be prepared to be held accountable to it. I want to see more of you on Wednesday nights. I want to see, hopefully, the majority of you on Friday nights for the next nine weeks. I want to see people who are serious. And if you're not serious, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm not mad. I'm really serious. I'm not mad. There's other churches. But come on. Come on. We have to wake up. We have to get up. Time is short. Time is short. You don't know when your breath is taken from you. Get up. Rise up. And serve God and serve others. I'm going to play this last song and then I'm going to close this in prayer.
Jesus' name. Come on, we make that.